Week three was one of ups and downs that saw the vampire fall for the third week in a row, and we saw the first trade transaction of the season. That and more with Quinn Carson, Robbie Courtway, and Daniel Week on this episode of the Vampire Journals podcast. to the microphone on the bottom left you just where got it says lost <laughs> oh you want me to mute it no. <laughs> oh dude come on don't make me mute it <laughs> why am i muting it come on man come on man. i'm not talking Jackpot, man. Look, we're going to start a podcast empire, and we just uh... no, he's joking. That's where the that's where the advanced settings are. Click click the arrow next to the mute button. Yeah, 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 yeah. Click this arrow next to the mute button. This tiny the tiny just log out. Hover over the mute button. And then delete your Zoom account. <laughs> this is the Vampire Journal Spot. Quinn, Robbie, what's going on, man? How are y'all? How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm happy to have I'm happy to have Robbie here. Uh, I'm just cracking a beer open. Uh, Robbie is here. Robbie, say something. Hey man, uh, I'm happy to be here as well. I'm a uh, cracking beer as well. Uh, little Foss Cove beer. I want to give a shout out to Jamie. He's my, he's my man, but uh, yeah, here we go. All right. Well, I can't think of two more fitting people to have on the pod this week than you two guys, because you guys brought us the first trade of the season. Uh, the trade reads as such. Quinn sent Robert Woods and the Ravens defense to Robbie for Darren Waller and the Colts defense. Guys, tell me what that was all about. I think I'll lead because I obviously should let you guys know that I heard everybody's, um, I guess, concerns. And I went out and found myself a tight end to play this Sunday against the Vampire because I had George Kittle, who was confirmed out. So... A lot of you guys around the time of the podcast last week were uncomfortable with me uh, riding into the weekend and were asking me if I was going to do something and trying to talk to me a lot of trades. Um, and if we look back to a question Daniel asked in week one uh, when Chase was on the podcast, or I guess he asked this last week. Last week. Yeah, last week. A week ago. Um, he asked who would make a surprise, like who would you do a secret trade with? And Chase said it would be with me, and I said it would be with Robbie. And I told you guys, true to your word, you were yeah. true to your so word. So, Robbie, why don't you take over? Well, uh, I think I definitely, as a part of the five families, I have to say that I want to always help out a family member, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I think I, w I got a little too wrapped up in my own head and my own mindset. Um, I it didn't the trades i don't think is gonna like kill me at all per se but i don't think i made the best trade let me ask you something do you feel like quinn owes you something do you feel like you can go to quinn down the road 
and ask him to scratch your back the way you did his in week three? I mean, I think uh, what Joan Hill said as best in uh, Super Bad. Yeah, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You know, uh, not maybe not that way because you know my back's you know, whatever. You uh, know, I met Joan Hill once, and that guy <laughs> wanted to do cocaine that I didn't have <laughs> with me that time. And I tell you what, you know, like you scratch my back, I scratch yours. I wasn't thinking he was going to scratch my my back if I had cocaine on me for him to use. So <laughs> I don't know. But for you, Robbie, yeah, I'll be here for you. You know, I appreciate that. Quinn. I there was there was a little hesitancy on like the defensive side, definitely. I mean, more so on giving up like a tight end that like I, you know, I might need down the road. But I'm pretty comfortable riding Kelsey. Uh, the good. defense, though, I mean, the Colts just put up massive numbers this past weekend. So, and the Ravens, you know, didn't do shit. So, yeah, but they, the Ravens played against the best team in the league, and the Colts played against the worst team in the league. I mean, it makes it makes sense for me. And we're looking at the Indianapolis Colts as a defense are going to be great, and they're going to keep doing what they're doing. But they're going to have a harder schedule as the season goes on. And they even have like one of those five game stretches where they're going to be playing a tough matchup of teams. And during that time is one of the times I play the vampires, but they are available versus what the Ravens were, which I had accidentally not looked ahead and I auctioned or, and I um, auctioned for the Ravens defense first. And then they had a buy on week eight in which I played the vampire mm. for the second time. And so uh, I saw them as the number one defense of the league, and I think they'll stay that way over time, but not against the Kansas City Chiefs, who Lamar Jackson's never beat anyway. So, you know, other than this one game, he's 21-1 and one against the rest of the league, and I think that's also to, from the help of his defense. Is that really the stat, 21-1? and one? Yeah, he's 21-1 and one against other quarterbacks and 0-3 or 0-4 now against the – Jeez. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that. Man. Mm-hmm. I guess the one was a l- well. That doesn't make sense, Daniel. Can you? No, there's no way that's right. I cannot validate the stat that you. Yeah, it was on Monday Night Football stat. last. I night. did see stats. I mean, it was something like against the Chiefs. He has a one game though. Yeah, it's perhaps it's like in the last two seasons or something. Mm-hmm. You know, so like it gets out of the other seasons he's had, or I don't know. You're right. I'm going to have to retract that. But if you were watching Monday Night Football, you you caught them talking about how he hasn't lost, he hasn't beaten the Chiefs yet. And in the same way, that means the defense has gotten railed by the Chiefs enough to to lose. So I just think that the Ravens are going to be a better defense for you later, and the Colts are going to dry up. But for this week, they were playing the worst team in the league, so I got to the advantage of having that. And yep. We'll see if they keep performing the same way. Um, but either way, I've got them, and I have the Patriots defense, who also scored 13 points. Um, but against 27, it was just like a huge help and just made the margin of victory even bigger uh, for me to go and face the Vampire. Okay, well, speaking of margin of victories, let's go ahead and review the results from Week 3. <laughs> Quinn, you've got a hot mic. Let's go ahead and start out with the marquee matchup of the week. You went head-to-head with the Vampire, uh, who was coming in 0-2. You were coming in 2-0. and 
And after this week, you certainly gave him a thumping. Final result, Longbone Shorty, 170.38 to Jake Smoking Jake Cutler's 83.1. Uh, Steven had people underperform consistently for the second or third week in a row. And Quinn, you had some people explode in big positions. You talked about the Colts' defense. Tell me about some of your other big performers this weekend. Well, um, I think game ball has to go to uh, Alvin Kamara, I would say for sure. He was probably my, my biggest asset. I think um, if I did the numbers right, if I played um, Alvin Kamara and Miles Sanders, and uh, who was my quarterback this week? Um, Dak sorry. Prescott. Yeah, Dak. Right. Sorry, I'm just loading up this page. My internet's a little slow while we're doing the Zoom. No excuses. Of course. But anyway, <laughs> so if I played Dak, uh, Alvin Kamara, and Miles Sanders, my top three, I would have actually beaten the Vampire with just those three players this week. So that was kind of crazy. <coughs> Ouch. Um, speaking of re- referring back to Steven's roster, rather, uh, a lot of underperformers. He only had one, two <coughs> players on his starting lineup outperform ESPN's projections. Rodrigo Blinkenship at an 11 points out of 8.2 expected. And DK Metcalf, Seattle wide receiver, who got 19 on a projection of 14.8. Robbie, tell me, I'm sure that you're interested in multiple peoples in Steven's starting lineup. Why do you think he was unable to get the best out of the free agent waiver wire this week? I think the main one for me is uh, Gardner Minshew. I I yeah, was really surprised. In a row. He rolled with him, right? Yeah, I mean, it, so he puts up 9.2. I mean, he's projected at 9.9. I know it's a Thursday night game, but it's against Miami. Those Thursday night games are always, like, really weird. Um but I thought Minshew was going to put up at least like 24. I mean, the pace he's been playing at, uh, same with Fournette. Uh, that was, a, that was a weird, uh, game for Tampa Bay. I mean, what Kevin's got two touchdowns. They were both one yard a piece. And yeah, I think he was the fourth player in NFL history to record that stat line, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. Um, great stat on that day. It's, it's, a. Uh, Really curious way to accrue, I think it was 14 points. But I'm sorry, keep continuing. No, I mean, aside from that, I mean, Metcalf, I mean, he, he puts up 19, and obviously he had the the 61-yard catch that should have been 62 touchdown, uh, except for a bonehead mistake. But I thought it was all – like, Trayvon Diggs there. A great play. I hated to watch it happen um, because, you know – no, I'm not going to cowboy hate here. But uh, other than I thought, like, he put up a decent team. And then Edelman just wasn't going to get a lot of touches, I didn't think, this week. Uh, they just fed Burkhead. Uh, so, surprising there. So, Quinn, I know we're going to get to more on the vampire in just a little bit. But I do want to ask a question to you two guys right now. Do you guys think that Steven put a lot of effort into setting the best lineup to win this week? I think he did. I think Steven uh, gave his best effort against me and perhaps allowed himself 
um, storyline wins. Like going with Gardner Minshew's kind of seems like not a hot take in a bad way, but it seems like that's sort of the hotter storyline of what everybody's hoping would go well. Everybody going into Thursday watching social media probably saw that like, in a way, I think Gardner was more amped like in public about this game than say uh, Fitzpatrick was. But then Fitch just showed up and did his job and like did really well and scored 25 fantasy points and Gardner scored like nine point something. So um, I think it was just like one of those things where uh, the public thought that one thing would happen and another thing happened. And so since he rode that early momentum on Thursday with that, I think that really kind of like stunted his growth for the weekend and it was just a sign of how his other decisions would go. So he had people on his roster, but it's not like he had a bottom bench that would have saved him a win. It's the fact that like there are just people on the waiver wire that did so much better than any of the people that were actually rostered on his team this week. Robbie, what do you think? Well, I mean, like I said earlier, uh, I think – Quinn had a really good chance coming into it, obviously, but uh, Metcalf just put up a lot of points. Uh, I thought he filled a pretty good roster. And again, with the Minshew stuff, uh, I, I, I was very hot on Minshew. And I love this, like the uh, the chit chat coming into the game with, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick talking about like mustaches versus beards. And then Minshew talking about, I'm going to respect my elders that are especially a lot, lot older. I loved it all, but uh, it it really didn't like match up to play as well as I thought it might. And Quinn came away uh, came away with a win, which was good for all of us. So, okay, yeah, zero and three for the vampire, first time in league history. Let's transition to the next matchup, Mister Solo Dolo Chase Vickery coming in at one and one versus Guillermo de la Cruz. Kurt Taylor came in at two and zero. Oh. Um, this was the second closest margin of victory on the weekend. Uh, Chase came out victorious, 155.6 to Curtis's total of 134.58. Quinn, walk me through what happened in this matchup. Well, I think the story of this matchup is um, probably, for me, I guess when I watched it, I'd say story, when I was watching the scores come in, is through most of the day, I thought that... uh, Guillermo de la Cruz had a really good position with his points that he was going to do pretty well, but Chase came back in the end and uh, his players that were playing later in the night and into the next days and stuff uh, really came through for him. And people like Tyreek Hill were just not enough on Monday night to come back and catch up to the scoring pace that Chase set. Um, One thing that Chase had was Allen Robinson, the second who scored almost 30 points from his flex position. So if you look at the lineup, um, you know, from top to bottom, it was pretty much even up until you get to that bottom area. And I thought it was pretty competitive. Um, so I happened to see that like throughout the whole roster, just everybody on Chase's team showed up and it was just a high scoring affair and Kurt couldn't keep up with it this time. Robbie, let me ask you, Curtis rostered three players that scored over 20 points. Chase managed to roster one, two, three, four, who did such. Do you think that was the difference in the game? 
Well, yeah, I mean, uh, what? So Dowlin and Derek both put up plus twenty-five, and then you have Kyler, like with a, like an off game, puts up twenty-one points. Yeah, yeah, three interceptions like, and still has yeah, like one points. Not he's like he's missing guys like left and right, but uh, it's still a really good game. And like you said, Robinson Quinn like twenty-eight point three, and he got thirteen targets. Like it, it was a. I mean, Foles is good. I don't know what's going to happen with that. How happy do you think Allen Robinson was to see Nick Foles come in the game? Oh, you're asking me, like, was he happy to have, like, a better quarterback? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, he was happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was happy. But I think I think the thing is, like, Chase is – again, we y'all talked about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago about – I think when you said it, it's just you got to feel the team that's going to, like, put up plus 20 – this who's going to score the most. I know it sounds like I know like, to say people think it sounds, it sounds so, stupid, but <laughs> it's a simple thing. And like, that's what, that's what uh, Chase's team did. He did that. So I don't know. <clears throat> now it is, I think worth noting that Kurt has a couple of things on his roster that are very interesting. One, the Vikings defense has put up negative points in two out of the first three fantasy weeks. Uh, which is not doing him any favors. And on the other side of it, uh, he had to withstand sub-projected performances from Ezekiel Elliott and Cam Newton. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, he could have rostered Deshaun Watson instead. That wouldn't have made the difference. Um, but if you factor in the, the point that he had quarterbacks that had scores under projections and Ezekiel Elliott as well, struggled to get involved in that shootout. Um, you know, I think those are kind of outliers for his roster. And uh, I still think that he's got a really pretty top-heavy roster. And, uh, you know, especially when Christian McCaffrey comes back, that's a strong team. Uh, two and one on the season uh, for Curtis Jackson. That is good enough to have him in a tie for second place. And uh, that moved Chase as well into a tie at two and one. And what's uh, the storyline between them matchup wise? Yeah, that was really, I thought, one of the most interesting subplots of the weekend uh, was that Chase's discovery that Kurt had never defeated Chase in the Vampire League. Uh, <laughs> and unfortunately for Curtis, that trend rang through in week three. Hmm. Uh, not to worry for Kurt. He's got two more cracks at Chase this season. Uh, and before we look forward in the season, it's important for us to review the final matchup of the week, the one that involves two people here on this podcast. I'm talking about the battle between Dr. Rosenpenis and Jan Pyre Stan's brother. Uh, mm -hmm. Robbie, tell us about what happened in this matchup, which uh, came out with Jan Pyre at 169.64 to Rosenpenis's 154.28. Walk me through it. Uh, starting out like on a, I'd say the train from the movie Unstoppable, which is uh, which is something that I, I named my team uh, earlier on um, before I changed it to Dr. Rose and Penis. Uh, Josh Allen just went fucking unstoppable. And I mean, say what you want about the pass interference call. Um, he played a hell of a game put up, I think, 34 or something like that. Um, 
and you just kept putting up points left and right with uh, what Allen putting Keenan Allen putting up uh, 30.2 versus Carolina, Eckler 31.3. Uh, yeah, and Josh Allen was at 31.24. And then uh, John Connor, you put up a 24, or James Connor, excuse me. Um, that's a little throwback. Uh, but aside from that, uh, I thought I played like a pretty well uh, coached matchup. I thought I played everybody out there the way I should, and uh, one or two uh, players came uh, back to make me not play as well. I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? I have a quick question. You know, I traded you Robert Woods. Did you think about starting him at all? Not at all. Not like, at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was like literally, I. I thought Evans was going to have a good game against the Broncos. So I was like, I'm confident he, in that. He nearly met his projection. He scored 14.2 on a projection of 14.5. And it was probably like the luckiest, like, <laughs> like because he guys scored two one yard per, like touchdowns. It's, you it's, know, I think Mike Evans has been one of the most bizarre fantasy players that has been prominent during the time that I've really taken fantasy. Yeah. I mean, Kurt, Kurt always talks about like Mike Evans. So like he, uh, he knows all about this registered yeah. multiple 40 point games last year. He also famously against the saints early in the season, uh, registered a goose egg. So he is all up and down the board. There's no doubting his talent. And he's, he's, he's an awesome player to watch play as well. Um, yeah. But Man, he puts up some crazy stats. Just, you know, sometimes they defy logic. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely wild stats. But, Daniel, I want to ask you on the other side, like, what was your number one standout uh, for your team this week? Well, so I've been I've been really hot all season long and even into the draft on quarterback Josh Allen, a.k.a. White Culpepper. Um, I really bought into him. I was... <laughs> really proud of them as a franchise making the investment in Stefan Diggs. I was a big believer of him in Minnesota and I think he, he matches really well with John Brown and Josh Allen's strength, which is throwing the deep ball. Um, Diggs wasn't able to break out any big ones, but he did a solid 14.9. Um, but shout outs to Josh Allen, 31.24. Uh, if he can find a way to eliminate some of these turnovers uh, it would not surprise me at all for him to be a top two fantasy quarterback, uh, which would boot Mahomes or Lamar Jackson out of Lamar Jackson out of that equation. Um, but the Chargers did me a solid as well. Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen both breaking the thirty point threshold. Um, James Conner, who really scared me a lot after an early exit in Week One, uh, his comeback with two solid outings, twenty four point nine on Sunday. Um, so, uh, I got just about as much out of my lineup as I could, especially considering Saquon and Michael Thomas were out. Um, so I was really happy to come out with a win and, uh, you know, it definitely came down to that Monday night matchup and, you know, I don't think it's as simple as it looks in hindsight to have played Mahomes over Lamar Jackson. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I think most people would have thought that either of them could have put up a big total. Um, but regardless, down to the very end, I was terrified that either Clyde was going to break one off. No or, doubt. Um, you know, Travis kept getting, uh, Kelsey kept getting 
receptions and targets. They were just kind Eric of Fisher caught they a fucking kind touchdown. Of, yeah, they were kind of shorter looks in a couple hey, of can't. those. A couple of those red zone looks, yeah, that in a big this, game would probably. This go to is Kelsey. another one of those fantasy games where I was just like baffled because like like all the plays they were calling were just going to like. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it just took a life the breath out of me. So I don't when know. Sherman got the touchdown. Kurt was like, "Who would ever play a who would ever play a fullback in fantasy?" Like that was so, and it was like just total reflection in like a meta <laughs> fantasy football kind of light but it was like yeah exactly like why why would anyone ever have sherman on their roster um you know shout outs to kansas city they get it done in creative ways but it uh really kind of hurt robbie where he could have used a few points here and there um so you know that does it for week three uh robbie loses daniel wins steven loses quinn wins and i uh loses chase wins I think it's important to say, of course, that Robbie again hit a high score, um, even though he put up a good score in his own right. And then um, I think to go back to that trade, I took the high score of the week um, by using two people that I had traded that made it into the starting lineup, the defense and my tight end, Darren Waller. For a funny story, for like a combined, what was it like, thirty points? But the Indianapolis Colts got twenty-seven of them, or something. Yeah, Waller got three. Yeah. When Waller caught his first pass in the fourth quarter, I was like, "This deal worked out, actually, with the trades." Mm. So, um, but it was a, it was interesting, you know, to th- watch the game. I don't know if you guys were watching your phone apps, but for a while, I was. I was underscoring the vampire and actually worried that it wouldn't come through. And then the, the heavens opened up and uh, the big star players that we all got to auction showed up and uh, his waiver wire, you know, pickups didn't. So, so speaking of the vampire Quinn, you were able to step beyond the sidelines in a segment I call Quinn's questions to have a one-on-one with the vampire. Tell me, what'd you learn? Yes, Daniel, in the interview I had with Stephen Fox, the vampire, this week, uh, one of the biggest takeaways and headlines from him is that he is not sure if he's going to win a game this entire season. Mm. Mm. Quick reactions. I know we Mm. haven't had a time to talk about this. This is brand new, breaking news to everybody. But yeah, when I spoke with him, uh, he was very distraught about how difficult it is to pick the right person that's going to explode uh, in points off of the waiver wire each week and how unpredictable it is and pointed out um, all the uh, basically uh, the third string and fourth string players that scored over 20 points and 30 points this week on the waiver wire were all people that you wouldn't have expected that were going to do that. So with that in mind, he is very downtrodden and doesn't see himself uh winning a game this season this week you know i just think it's curious how steven said before the season that he was starting to get tired of being the vampire and then he mentions in text that he is lonesome and wishes he could make trades with people and then it seems like he's (laughs) feeling people that aren't scoring as much as people he didn't pick up and i'm just curious if he thinks he's if he's even trying to win this season robbie what do you think on this matter? Uh, I, I felt a little sarcasm coming from him because 
when he texted me the other night in the group chat, he's like, he told me, I'm confident in you too, Robbie. And I didn't really know. <laughs> and you thought he was being sarcastic. Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very nervous, by the way. Like, this could be, like, the game. Like, I score over 150 points, like, every single game so far. And then lose to the vampire like it would just happen um there's steven has right to be worried um but i'm just trying to make sure that it's not come back around uh and myself losing uh so i'm just trying to make sure i do not lose the vampire this weekend because i do not want uh do not want the qpc ratings to come true speaking of coming back around you know, they say you can only get mono once, but Robbie, you have to play the vampire twice this season. Uh, tell me quickly, before we get into uh, anything any further, um, who, who do you think are the two players that Steven most covets on your team? Oh, um, I would say uh, it kind of depends on uh, what point, but I would say uh, Lockett could be a steal. Like a, <laughs> if he no, like if he like continues to produce the way he does, he's not going to take him because, I mean, is Aaron Jones going to be, like, maybe I'm just maybe saying this to get immunity because that's what Quinn said there tonight. But uh, maybe Mahomes. I say either Mahomes or Eckler. If I had to guess, um, you know, we can point out that currently Robbie has three players who are at the top of their positions, Travis Kelsey, Tyler Lockett, and Aaron Jones. Uh, Travis Kelsey is the number one rated tight end in the league. Uh-huh. Tyler Lockett and Aaron Jones are both the number two rated running backs currently in the league. Yes, sir. And, yeah. uh, you know, knock on wood for you, but uh, those are three great guys, so you'd at knock, least be left... Knock. Yeah, knock, knock. You'd be left with... Uh, <laughs> at least one of those of the three if they took from that selection alone plus we're talking about lamar jackson and patrick mahomes on your list um if i had to pick i would say that he would uh focus on your running backs and he would try and take aaron jones and maybe even later in the year uh he would take uh clyde edwards hilaire uh, yeah as a um, as a thing so i think he would double up but honestly at this point every time we've talked about who you think the vampire would take i'm just leaning on steven's history of like taking almost more strategic uh steals than say ones that he is using to improve his team but that's also because he would get on winning streaks and he was improving his teams and then starting to do a lot of strategy so maybe i'm a little early in that thought and he'd just take like the best people that he needs to make his team better at the time. So what do you think, Daniel? Who do you think is, is two coveted players on Robbie's team this week? Well, you know, given (coughs) Steven's lack of production at quarterback the last two weeks with Gardner Minshew, I Mm -hmm. would think that he would have to seriously consider going after Patrick Mahomes. We saw a 40 point performance from him Monday night in week three. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's it's not an outlier. That's something that's consistent with his MP, MVP performance from two years ago. And it's something that we've come to expect from him. Um, so that's a really a big time player at uh, a position where you expect big time points. Um, uh, I yeah. don't want to interject. And I also don't want to upset anybody in the league with this information. But 
uh, me and the vampire during this interview did go window shopping for quarterbacks on the waiver wire. Ooh, interesting. Did any names stick out in particular? <clears throat> in particular, uh, we did have some interesting possibilities. Let me pull up the list of available quarterbacks just so we have a good idea. Um, we had talked how Gardner Minshew's probably not going to be coming back with him. Um, but when he looked at uh, a name came up in first in our conversation, I think it's probably going to be everybody's thought of the pickup of the week off the waiver wire would be big Dick, Nick Foles. Mm, interesting name starter. The bears went out of their way to indicate that Nick Foles was not just the starter for week four, <clears throat> but the starter moving forward. And speaking of moving forward, the train from unstoppable has something in common with interview from a vampire that you might not expect that and more coming up after this. Hi, I'm Larry Fisher senior and I'm Larry Fisher jr. And here at Fisher VCR repair, we know that family means something like family means fixing a VCR. Everybody remembers those homemade moments, family moments recorded, or the sex tape you recorded with your first wife. Everybody needs something to watch something on. Fisher VCR repair. Number one in family, number one in service. Yeah, we want to thank Fisher VCR uh, for sponsoring us this week. That's Fisher, F-I-S, Share. Um, on the phone, we've got one of the most majestic animals in the forest. It's mating season, right, Daniel? Oof, it's musky out there. It's musky. Um, downright, Only yeah. one thing. Mm -hmm. Moose knuckles. <laughs> Exactly. We've got uh, Robbie Moose Courtway here for uh, this year's ver uh, segment of uh, Moose's Musings. So, Robbie, why don't you take it away? Well, fellas, thanks for having me. Um, I think my first Moose Musing of the night asked me about Josh Allen. Josh Allen, uh, originally I named my name from uh, Danger Danny DeVito's bare ass to uh, the train from movie Unstoppable. And there's a good reason for that. Because I like a high-rolling team that can really, like, crank out points. And Josh Allen, even though he was on my team, he somehow fits the bill for that. Um, Unintended so I, or not intended? Is fits, what? The, fits the bill. It, it definitely fits the bill. Well, yeah. He <laughs> plays for the bills. Is that a Oh, that's I'm not guessing that's pun unintended <laughs> yeah. at this point. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as clever as you. Sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Continue. No, but I, I like Josh Allen as like an unstoppable force. Uh, and also, I like Daryl Henderson a lot. Uh, Henderson on the Rams. He's been really getting up touches a lot. He's going to uh, rack him up. And then also uh, Alan Lazard. Uh, I know Devontae Adams is still out, 
but he's going to become a high-scoring receiver, and he's going to be getting a lot of points. Uh, and then also uh, Big Dick Nick Foles. I don't think how you can not like, like talk about the guy. He threw three touchdowns in the last uh, like last quarter and a half, and he just went off. And uh, I mean, I think there are a couple things you can think about, but again, Nick Foles is like Ethan Hunt in the Mission Impossible movies. He just knows how to get the job done. The mission is impossible. Get it done. I love Ethan Hawke. He was in that movie, uh, that scary movie. You know, where they oh, move into the house. That was a really good movie. Wait, what? No, I, I was talking about Ethan, like, uh, from Mission Possible. Yeah, you said Ethan Hawke. Uh, he was no, in Ethan training Hawk. He was in training day. He played Jake, and he, roll, he rolled around with Denzel Washington all day. It was a one-day movie. Oh, you like to get wet. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Anyways, uh, sorry about that. Um, I'm drinking a nice Fosco Sessier, but I think there if if y'all have one player like throughout the year who's gonna be like a Kaiser Soze type player, who would it be? Like who's gonna be like the verbal Kent that's gonna start <laughs> out like really you know kind of slow and then jump up into the stratosphere as like a fantasy scoring like target or back. On my team, or anybody's team, just anybody's in general. I think like, that's that? a wonder. I think that's a wonderful question, Robbie, and I think that my team <coughs> has the perfect player for that, and that player's name is Kenyon Drake. Um, <laughs> yep, Kenyon Drake is somebody who has haunted Quinn for years. He famously walked away from his computer when he was nominated in our auction draft. Yes, uh, and then just last week, he was building him back up again, hyping him up as a sleeper player for my roster. Uh, I think that he's going to haunt somebody this year. The, the big question mm-hmm. is when, and the big question is who. <laughs> I'm hoping that he doesn't haunt me, and if we can <laughs> haunt Quinn, all for the better, honestly. I like it. I think the guy for me this year is going to be – um miles sanders i think obviously you can if you remember on the draft episode i called miles sanders the new Kenyon drake yeah <laughs> so yeah you know we've got some uh running backs we really hope work out you know um <laughs> this one time uh this woman came to my house and she brought over these weed plants that had been growing indoors at this uh growers operation and she just left them with me because she lived in an apartment and took them as pay and she couldn't house them. And it's sort it of like being noted you live in California where this is all legal. Yes. Also. Um, and so anyway, I was growing these plants outside for her, but they just came in at the it was the wrong part of the year and they weren't the right kind of plants. I think it you know, the metaphor speaks for itself. Mm. Well, guys, um also I have to add uh <laughs> In honor of uh, the 25th anniversary of uh, the movie Seven by David Fincher, what is going to be your what's in the box special as far as a player moment? Like, who's going to explode as far as uh, a fantasy scoring leader? I know it's kind of the same question, but like, who is the one name that you think might just like 
run off with it. I think my uh, what's in the box explosion was when Saquon Barkley's ACL exploded. In what's in the box? Two. His yeah. ACL. A cadaver ACL <laughs> is cadaver. fortunately in the box for Saquon Barkley. And I say all that in jest, <clears throat> and I hope he comes back to be a, a very successful well. football player again. But, um, man, I just don't know that any of my players are going to pop or explode uh, in a way that he could have. Uh, Eckler putting up 30 last week was awesome. Mm -hmm. And all praise be to uh, White Culpepper. But, um, you know, if (laughs) Michael Thomas coming back from a high ankle sprain doesn't seem as great, seeing how Drew Brees throws the ball the last few weeks, so I got a big score this last week. I'm hoping that uh, I can kind of uh, trace this fool's gold for about 12 more weeks. Uh, what about you, Quinn? What's in the box for me, I think, is, yeah, just not just one ACL, but um, a hamstring and uh, a knee <laughs> and an MCL and a left leg from the preseason and all the other guys already this season have gotten injured for me. Julio Jones, George Kittle, Cortland Sutton, A.J. Brown, all those guys, their, their injuries uh, put me in the position to have to trade and really didn't allow my roster to settle. You know, if I had had Kittle this week and had been healthy going into that week, I wouldn't have made a trade. And more importantly, my plan was to ride um, the tight end spot unprotected in a sense. Uh, for the first game, at least against the vampire, and then probably try and fix it later after other people had played the vampire once. So, the fact that Kittle got injured, that was probably the guy in my box. Awesome. Well, coming up in a minute, I'm going to tell you what Quinn's projections and the Battle of Waterloo have in common. That and more after this. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships sawed fire off the shoulder of Orion. I've watched sea beams glitter in darkness down the gate. All those moments will be lost time like tears in the in the rain time to die So swinging from Blade Runner to running with the blade, you got Jan Pyre, the daywalker himself, with Quinn Carson, about to review his QPC projections leading into week four. 
Quinn, tell me, uh, week three was a pretty successful one for you, right? Week three was great on the projection board. I went three for three, Daniel. Got them all right. Outstanding. Um, um, so that takes you to a seven and two record on the season leading into week four. Tell me about the, uh, the matchups we've got coming up and who you have coming in on top. Well, for week four, <clears throat> we've got a big battle between uh, myself and Kurt going in here. Gamble De La Cruz versus Longbone Shorty and Solo Dolo versus Jampire Stampire's brother. And in both of those games, I've got uh, Chase over Daniel and Kurt over myself. Um, and to be honest, I had that as a little bit of an insurance pick in case I had lost to the vampire. So I'm hoping I get that wrong um, this week. I actually have myself winning anyway uh, this week. Uh, so I have myself kind of getting this projection wrong. But that was kind of a little bit of a safety there. And then for the vampire game of the week, it's uh, Dr. Rosen Penis versus Jay Cutler. And I have, uh, for the first time this year, guessed that uh, Jay Cutler will be uh, victorious for the first time this year. Well, speaking of doctors and the marquee matchup of the week, there's no better time to tell you that the marquee matchup of the week is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. Chase, why are you drinking Diet Dr. Pepper? What? I like Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Drink a goddamn beer like a man. <laughs> Uh, don't you know, Chase, he's been drinking Diet DPs all his life, bro. Dr. Pepper, created in the 1880s by pharmacist Charles Alderton in Waco, Texas, and first served around 1885, Dr. Pepper was first nationally marketed in the United States in 1904. Now sold in Europe, Asia, North and South America, Australia, and as well as New Zealand. You can find Dr. Pepper in South Africa as an imported good. And variants include Diet Dr. Pepper and additional flavors. I used to drink like four Dr. Peppers a day when I was a kid. So, it's, like Kentucky, um, it's like Kentucky Deluxe at that point, you know? I, I was... Water. 80% other spirits. When you drink that many calories, uh, I had to cut it down, so... Just don't drink it at all. Then you don't have to worry about calories. I like to waste my calories on beer now, so. 28 bucks for Tyreek Hill. Come visit the Dr. Pepper capital of the world. Our company sells more Dr. Pepper in the Roanoke Valley area of Virginia than in any other metropolitan area east of the Mississippi River. Roanoke is approximately 90 miles east of the hometown of Dr. Charles T. Pepper, which is Royal Retreat, Virginia, and 30 miles east of Christianburg, Virginia. John William Bill Davis opened the first Dr. Pepper plant east of the Mississippi in Roanoke in 1936. Subsequently, the city was named the Dr. Pepper capital of the world and broke world records for its mass consumption of Dr. Pepper in the late 1950s. Dr. Pepper donated a portion of its sales revenue in the Roanoke area to finance restoration of a circa 1950s neon Dr. Pepper sign, which was the company's 10 to 4 logo for a time. In downtown Roanoke, in October 2015, the city declared October 24th, 10 to 4, to be its official Dr. Pepper Day. 
So the QPC projections for week four have Chase beating Daniel, Kurt beating Quinn, and Steven beating Robert. Let's take a quick look at what ESPN Fantasy Cast has to say for these matchups. Uh, in the matchup of Jampire Stan's brother versus Mr. Solo Dolo, ESPN Fantasy Cast gives Chase a 52% chance of winning. In the matchup of Dr. Rosenpenis versus Smokin' Jay Cutler, ESPN currently has Robbie as a 90% win probability in that matchup. And in the third matchup, Guillermo de la Cruz versus Longbone Shorty, ESPN Fantasy Cast gives Quinn a 54% chance of winning. Robbie, tell me, right now ESPN gives you a huge boost <laughs> in projections. The QPC projections lean the other way. Um, all statistics aside, tell me what your mindset is going into this matchup. I think the mindset you have to have in fantasy football is putting up points every single week. I know that's redundant, but I just go off what Quinn says, where you just really have to like put up the most points possible. So that's what I'm going to strive to do. Uh, the most and, points possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce, it feels like you found a watering hole between our last segment. <laughs> well, you know, uh, so, some things might change. But, uh, no, I mean, the best thing, though, is – I think I'm going to score way more than Vampire will. Uh, I'm pretty confident of that. Aaron Jones is going to have a much better game than last week. Uh, and then I think my biggest problem, though, uh, week in and week out, has been about Mahomes or Wilson. Or Mahomes and uh, Jackson. Sorry. But it's just – it's been like a toss-up. Because, like, I honestly think, like, he, uh, the past two weeks – if I had picked a different quarterback, I would have won. Uh, and I hate to, like, dive into that, but I think I would have had a real shot. Quickly worth noting when you say pick a different quarterback, ESPN's projection of 90% win probability to Robbie includes the fact that Steven only has three players currently in his starting lineup, wide receiver Terry McLaurin, wide receiver DK Metcalf, and kicker Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, the rest of his roster spots are currently empty. So his uh, scoring so his scoring projection for the week is still to be determined. It's a pretty mysterious lineup. Uh, he's had more complete lineups by the time we've done these podcasts uh, in previous weeks. Again, uh, <laughs> $50 to any charity Steven wants. If you I don't... Want. <laughs> and th so you're trying to get him to put up 50 for a charity that you want no no i'm just saying like i'm that confident in winning oh okay so like, you're it's, it's willing to say level. that you will put down officially right now robbie courtway will donate right 50 dollars to the charity of the vampires choosing yes sir if you lose a hundred percent and like, he still gets to take a player. You're not trying to buy. No, 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 okay. no. I'm just like, I just want to like add some incentives to like me winning. Like make some smart moves and stuff, you know. Speaking That's just uh, incentive for winning. I like it. Winner of this next matchup would have at least a share of the lead after week four. I'm talking Kurt Taylor versus <laughs> Quinn Carson. Mm. Uh, Quinn, you're projected with a 54% chance of winning. Um, tell me what your confidence level is going into this matchup. 
You know, um, I guess looking back at the QPC Vampire League projections, like I had uh, announced earlier, I had Kurt winning this week. Um, but that was made in the early part of the season. And uh, I, like I said, I had some reasons for doing that. But when I look at this roster for this week, I think there's some good chances for my team to uh, come out and be successful. Uh, one of the big issues, though, is still going to be injuries. Um, so I'm hoping to uh, find a way to get a win. Uh, you know, we've talked about the way standings have finished out at the end of the seasons uh, so far. And, you know, getting seven wins is really important. I already got three wins, so you could almost say I'm almost halfway to getting sort of to like the the bare minimum that we might need to get into the playoffs. So sure, sure. Uh, I'm hoping to like, it would be amazing to get a fourth win to start 4-0 and then leave myself some breathing room to hopefully survive both the vampire and the rest of the season and make the playoffs. Yeah, uh, a couple of things I'm interested in with Kurt's roster is if he rolls with Cam Newton at quarterback for the second week, uh, he, they're going on the road to Kansas City, or if he makes the switch to Deshaun Watson at home against Minnesota. Uh, he swapped quarterbacks this past week, sitting Watson and playing Newton, lost six points in the process. I'm curious to see what he does there. Uh, but across the board, I think you can expect a little bit more from Zeke Elliott. And uh, Cooper Cup goes into the flex for him this week. Also curious to see if he plays the Vikings defense or if he chooses to go without a defense this week. Also an interesting uh, game to watch for him is uh, the Tampa Bay burst, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing the Los Angeles Chargers. And both of his tight ends on his roster, Rob Gronkowski and Hunter Henry, are playing. So just to make sure, it'll be interesting to see which one he chooses in that specific game. Uh, and the, the thing is, they are at Tampa Bay, so Hunter Henry will be playing an away game. And we saw Rob Gronkowski put up his first actual sort of heartbeat uh, this last week. So it'll be interesting to see who he picks. Um, you know, I think you, uh, probably Daniel, though, are the number one person that's had, like, the most amount of points scored on the bench so far uh, this year. But Kurt, I think, is kind of up there, too, you know, just with the amount of strength that he has in depth. So, Yeah, so there's no doubt that Kurt's going to have his eye on that matchup between his two tight ends. Meanwhile, we're going to shift our focus to the final matchup of Week 4, Jampire Stan's brother versus Mr. Solo Dolo. Uh, each competitor goes into the week at a two and one record chase has the edge in the fancy uh in the fantasy cast projections 52 percent. he also has quinn's blessing on the week so robbie tell me uh are you gonna side with the majority and roll with chase or do you think i got a chance this week uh daniel i think i mean i think you do have a chance uh i mean the past like three weeks chase has it's been kind of up and down, so I'm gonna give you a real shot. Uh, I'm looking at, or I'm sorry, I'm looking at everything right now, but uh, I don't, I just don't know if Derek Henry is gonna like play exactly the way he's gonna play the last game. Yeah, um, Pittsburgh's been pretty solid against the run so far. I, I'm, I'm Pittsburgh's defense is gonna take him to playoffs, uh, they're gonna be. 
there are going to be two teams from AFC North, and Pittsburgh is one of them. Uh, but yeah, they're very solid in a run. Uh, I don't, it's is the close. other one Cincinnati? Tell me right now, gut instinct. No. Do the Bengals make the playoffs? Oh no. Okay, you heard it here first, Robbie. <laughs> no, keep going. no, it's Robbie. Uh, keep going. <laughs> no, but I mean, I th- I think the the thing that comes down to is uh, you're oh, man. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to look at the projections right now, but I, could Cincinnati actually make the playoffs? I mean, no way. Uh, but no, uh, I'm going to defer this one to Quinn's. I'm not looking at the right <laughs> stats. Well, I think one interesting thing is that Devontae Adams is currently in Chase's lineup, and he's projected to score 21.3 points, but we know that he's coming off of an injury, and we're not certain that he's a for, like surefire uh, bet to score all 21 of those points this week. So, you know, Daniel seven points away. If Devonte Adams scored, what is it? 14 points. I would still be surprised him coming off this injury, uh, that's plagued him. So I see just the fact that if Devonte stays in the game and does not have the kind of day that they project, like even if Chase's team scores at their projected level, uh, I still see him losing to Daniel. Uh, in well, that sense, if we're looking at it line by line, but if he changes it up and puts in people like Adam Thielen, who's been turned on, and uh, maybe looks at finding a way to get Allen Robinson in there, and then open up his flex for someone like I don't know, uh, he could play anybody at that point from Adam Thielen again to David Johnson or Evan Ingram, and try and roll with some people that have different matchups. Uh, but really, I think Daniel is. We're going to be interested to see if the Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs uh, connection really pays off in Las Vegas, and if that's going to be a game throughout the time that that means Josh has to keep scoring because Josh put up a huge number playing to the last seconds of the game uh, versus say Pat Mahomes's numbers where he put them up, you know, throughout the game, but also didn't, you know, have to. Uh, come from behind or something didn't have to like force points fantasy wise they just flowed so if daniel gets that flow from josh allen and stefan Diggs, he could be unstoppable this week awesome so just a uh, couple more things i want to touch on before we leave um as we all know uh blade the comic book character also known by the name eric brooks uh, his first appearance was in the comic book The Tomb of Dracula, July 1973. Here we are in September 2020. Who do you guys think right now is going to be the first victim to fall prey to Dracula this season? Robbie, you're facing him this week, and you're our guest. Please, what do you think? Are you asking me if I'm going to lose the vampire this week? No, I'm no. asking you, who do you think is the first person to lose to the vampire this year? Uh, it's it's not me. I know that for, uh, I'd say it was confidence. Um, I don't, I think it might be, I think it might be Chase. I don't, I, I honestly just don't trust his backs enough. I don't trust Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry enough. I think right now, I mean, maybe a couple of games down the, down the road, they will be able to do that. But 
I think as of now, I'm going to go with Chase. Quinn, same question. I I think it's a risky play, but I I would probably lean towards uh, the person in the league who's lost the most already to injuries. And while I have lost Cortland Sutton for the year, uh, the bigger deal is Kurt losing Christian McCaffrey. So I think maybe Kurt, uh, you know, he spent, uh, you know, his auction money on three big running backs, and one of them sadly is out on the IR. Um, so I think by the next time he faces the vampire of Christian McCaffrey's not back and back to 100%, then it's just one extra piece that Kurt has to make up as if he had kind of lost already to the vampire. So I think he's probably playing for the most behind um, from anybody in the league uh, in terms of roster strength um, and like the roster, like the longevity of this roster. So I'd say it's probably uh, Kurt has the biggest risk for losing first. Awesome. So the final note I want to end on is everybody knows in Blade 2, Reinhardt, the leader of the Blood Pack, played by Ron Perlman, said, hmm, like my daddy said right before he killed my mom, want anything done right, you got to do it yourself. Who do you guys right now think is going to be the champion at the end of the season? <clears throat> I'll take this one. <laughs> cool. Appreciate it. <laughs> I was so I got, yeah. Oh, no, it's cool. It's cool. I've got the uh Robbie, were you fact checking my quotes? <laughs> no, no, no. I did I had another one that I was like ready to fire off, but <laughs> he, uh yeah, we're really ready. Uh well if you've got another quote, yeah, we can hit it. Yeah, yeah, this. please. Well, no, it's not really like a it's it's not a quote, it's more of like a factoid, like Pearl, you know, and uh Blade was initially supposed to like to be like a gay vampire. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. Massive massive like fucking vampire that you know Blade encounters. So, the blood pack that. you know, the interesting thing is the blood pack had trained their entire lives to de- defeat Blade. But ultimately, they had to join forces in order to defeat Novak in his attempt to disrupt the high guard of vampires. Um, but Quinn, back to the question at hand. Yes. Um, you know, was was Reinhardt correct? Do you have to do this yourself? Or are you going to be the one to win the championship? You know, right now, Daniel, I am projected in our final standing projection from Fantasy Trends, sponsored by Fargo on FX. Shout out to Fargo. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I'm projected first to finish first. I'm first in the league currently at 3-0. and uh, I would love to say that this is a really great start. It's the best start I've ever had. I've never gone 3-0 and before. I've gone 2-0 and the last few years. So I think I'm going to say this week, yeah, it's going to be me. Um, and one thing I think that is not the case actually is the projections have uh the vampire staying at sixth and i still think that that's going to change that he'll move up in the rankings but for now i think i'm going to be the winner (sighs) what about you robbie well uh i think so far for myself i have done poorly i think i should have won at least two of the games out of three 
Uh, it's just my confident and cocky self. Uh, but this week, I will definitely win. I've so who's going to win the league? Time. Who's going to win the league? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, uh, that's, that's a tough one. I, I, I don't think it's the vampire. I really don't. Um, I okay. think I'm going to above 500. Um, okay. And make it in. And if just off the cusp, I'd say uh, – I'd say you, Quinn. I would. Hmm. That's two thus far, Shooter. Can't wait to see how Quinn destroys this team <laughs> via trades. This yeah, right. Very <laughs> um, Very Daniel, exciting. earlier uh, the va- in the vampire interview segment, we had talked about how the vampire was quoted as saying he's not sure he's going to win a game this season. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that's true? It's you know it's we've had it plausible a, we've had a small sample size so far we've only had two years so mm-hmm. I think that uh, we might be a little quick to kind of draw uh, judgments in terms of identifying trends or, or certain things and and making more of them than what they are and I think it is hard uh, to get wins in a vampire league especially you know the. <laughs> The six-team league is a catch-22. The the teams that get to draft players are loaded, but because there's only six teams, there's plenty of players out there. Um, so Steven just hasn't hit the lottery yet. He just he hasn't had any players really explode. Um, he hasn't really seen a 30-point player or anything like that. And I know last week James Robinson was out there uh, and I think maybe one other player cracked the 30-point threshold off of the free agency wire. Um, so, you know, Steven does his homework. He knows what he's doing. And I think that he's going to start putting up higher point totals. And uh, that's going to pass uh, the baton on to us to really make sure that our lineups are uh, as tight and as fit as they possibly can be. Um, so, I don't think there's any room for us to sleep just yet, especially with teams like you and me, Quinn, that have to play them three times. Mm-hmm. Should we uh, cover a little bit about the COVID, uh, the first signs of COVID showing up today in the news about the NFL? The Tennessee Titans had eight players uh, that needed to uh, lead to them postponing or possibly postponing some games. Yeah, players and uh, personnel, though. Yeah, players and personnel. So uh, do we know anything more about that, about which players were which, or if any of this is affecting the people on our rosters yet or anything like that? So last I'd seen, the players affected on the Titans roster were defensive players. Uh, or I believe the long snapper was one of them. So they weren't offensive skill position players. Uh, we don't want to downplay the seriousness of uh, the virus itself. So we hope all of the players get better. Um, but in terms of this podcast and this fantasy league, uh, none of the players we've rostered were affected yet. Uh, a big name for Tennessee, obviously, would be Derrick Henry, who Chase has um, within our contingency which requires him to replace him with a player of the same position 
top players available to Chase, according to projected scores, would be um, Mike Davis, James Robinson, Miles Gaskin, Raheem Mostert, if he's healthy. Um, so uh, Derrick Henry, of course, not affected as of yet, but the biggest name on the Titans roster that would affect the league. Of course. And then obviously I only bring this up is because we have uh, specific IR roster spots for COVID um, like specific, uh, I guess people getting placed on IR on that, on that specific quarantine situation. Listeners know. Yeah. We just want to keep them up, up to date. And obviously uh, the other thing too is, uh, this is the first one and it's week three. So there's still, you know, two and a half more months of possibilities for this to, to be another issue, but it's just something to deal with. And, uh, Hey Robbie, we'll speak, Robbie, speaking of knowing things, we know that Wesley Snipes has been in three blade films. Can you uh, name three non blade films that Snipes has been in? I love this. No. <laughs> you can't even try. You're not even going to like start listing. <laughs> you won't try. Can you name one? Can you get one off? I don't off? think I can name one, dude. Oh, I, no. What? I know it's can a name one. I mean, uh, what, Passenger 57? Well, Jesus Christ, that's the one that you know? <laughs> I got it downstairs, man. All right. So, you Is that you know a that's movie, right? Do you know anything from his heyday? Uh, what? Um, he got game. Uh, how, how much are we gonna help him? I, I mean, dude, I, no, I, I got passion fifty-seven. Like that's it. Woody Harrelson. Oh, uh, yeah. Why man can't jump? Okay, then how about uh, Charlie Sheen? <laughs> oh, Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. Oh, was he in? Uh... It's my favorite sports movie of all time. Oh man, with the Cleveland, we can't say the name. Um, you can't say but that's really respectful. That's yeah. really respectful. Yeah, but you still don't know the name of the movie. So, <laughs> uh, no, what is the name of the movie? I can't remember. No. It's Major called League. Wild Thing. Oh yeah, no, it's called Wild Things. It <laughs> yeah, stars Wild Things. Richards <laughs> and Matt Dillon. It's a phenomenal film. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I love it. Okay, well, with that, we are looking forward to the week four ahead of us and questioning what lies in the deep beyond. With Robert Courtway and Quinn Carson, this is Daniel Wheat. Thanks for listening to the Vampire Journals podcast. Nice. Cool, now we're just three dudes hanging out, chilling on the Zoom. Man.